I can All do right. this. I can do this. Woo! All right. <laughs> what was that? Hello. Hello, David. Can you hear me? Hey, Todd. Yeah, I hear you. Hey, okay, David. You're, you're on the line with Todd Barcelo and the man of the hour, Forbes West. Hey, David. Thank you so much for being on board. Uh, we got right now a very special guest, Mr. David McAfee, uh, who's got a very interesting uh, series of books about vampires here. The Now, am I pronouncing this right? Is this the Bakir series? Uh, yes, the Bakir series. And uh, basically, it starts off with a very interesting premise. Uh, number one UK uh, horror bestseller. Uh, in Jerusalem 33 AD, the vampires of the era have long sought to gain a foothold into Israel, but the faith of the lo local Jewish population has held them in check for centuries. One of their own portrays them to follow a strange young rabbi from Galilee. Galilee? I can never pronounce that right. The elders of the vampire race dispatch Theron, a 900-year-old assassin, to kill them both. The rabbi's name is Jesus. Killing him should be easy. Now, that's a very interesting premise. How much of a background did you have to go into uh, some of the, uh, I guess you want to call them the canon side of the Bible? The, uh, I guess, uh, there's a apocrypha or however you say that. The, uh, the kind of like the off, uh, the, the, kind of like the stories that get like somehow like get found in like Dead Sea Scrolls and things like that. Uh, the story of Lilith, for example, that gets bandied about a bit. Uh, how deep did you have to go into your research for that one? Well, actually, um, when I wrote the story, I pretty much just used the New Testament for the guideline, and uh, I tried to squeeze the story into the gray areas where they didn't actually say much. Um, okay. If I had gone into some of the uh, areas that you find in the Dead Sea Scrolls, then I might have come up with uh, different plot twists than the ones that I did. Um, so the whole thing is basically just centered around the New Testament and what could have happened in those areas that weren't addressed. So what areas are we talking about? I mean, I know there's some missing time on the clock when it comes to New Testament stuff in Jesus that there's, again, some, I guess, some good-sized missing chunks. I think, uh, what is it, pretty much there's, again, my Bible history is very, very sketchy. Um, but we're talking, like, whatever. You're, you're, you're just very, very sketchy altogether. Folks. I try my best, Todd. You're making <laughs> everything nervous. I'm talking to a good guy here that about vampires. Of us, actually. <laughs> hey, vampires are very scary to me. I'm already nervous talking about this stuff, right? I had a professor in college who swore they were real. True story. He's a very bright man. I think, I think right. they are, but, you know. That's now, whatever. I don't trust whatever you have to say. No, they're not real. I know they're not real. Taz is making up stuff, and that professor was crazy. <laughs> well, you kind of have to be a little crazy to be a college professor, I would think. I, you know what? I think you just got to be a little bit nuts to be talking about the same subjects over and over again, but you're doing a good deed. You know, what can you say, especially in the political science side of life, you know? Math professors are very good people, as my wife listens to this, but uh, political science ones, <laughs> meh. <laughs> but, uh, okay, what's the, what's the hidden gray areas that we're talking about? What's, what's the missing section? Where's the deleted scenes of the Bible that you kind of put into your first book, uh, 33 AD? Well, um, have you read the book? I know Todd has. I have not had the chance to, no, but it actually looks like okay. an interesting premise, because I actually do think vampires are cool stuff. I think uh, Twilight, however, uh, killed a lot of my enthusiasm, and I hope you have a lot of uh, angry things to say about them. Anything, that's, anything that sparkles can't be a fucking killer. Come on. Well, I don't understand how, like, the end of the series, okay, this is what I know. I never read it, all right? I can swear on a stack of Bibles without burning up, I did not read any of the Twilight books. But I know the ending is the girl turns into a vampire. And come on, Dave, that's bullshit, right? I didn't care for it. I actually did try to read that series. I got about 250 pages into the first book, and I had to put it down. Oh, God bless and, you, um, 
the reason was uh, I did an experiment in that first book uh, after I put it down. I went back through the section that I had already read, and I opened it to eight random pages and scanned the pages for a reference to how good-looking Edward was. And on <laughs> six of those eight pages, there was some reference to how good-looking this guy was. And, was. and as I was reading the book, I remember thinking to myself, okay, look, I get it. He's gorgeous. Move on. There's more to this story, right? And it turns out there wasn't. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's terrible. A, well, Todd's a bit fi a big fan of that book. I don't know if you have read uh, Todd's blogs lately. He he breaks it down for all of us, and again, just talks about the the majesty uh, and the joy of the entire series. Uh, how it really gets a hold of the whole vampire. True, that's I'm Todd. personal friends with Anne Rice, the mother of vampires, <laughs> and okay? she's disowned you after the Twilight thing. Do not insult me with this garbage. <laughs> Hey, no, but hey, back up a second here. We're not letting poor David talk here. You're just rambling on about your Twilight yeah, crap. Know, sorry. Uh, all right, so sorry. The, the, the deleted scenes of the Bible, what parts are we talking about exactly? Well, one of the ones that uh, I took advantage of for the book was after Jesus was arrested and before he was um, put up against Barabbas by, uh, uh, oh, crud, I'm having one of those moments where I can't remember the guy's name, uh, Pilate. Pontius yeah. Pilate. Um, there's, there's nothing really in the Bible about that tiny frame there that I could find. Um, and granted, I'm not the most studious person of the Bible, but you know, I use that to have a scene with the antagonist in Jesus. Whereas Jesus really doesn't feature much into the book, but that's pretty much the one scene where he's the center of attention, and uh, just things like that, um, stuff that would be going on in the background. Uh, not so much in the gray areas, like I said before, but in the background where okay. the vampires were plotting this or that, and they would come across Jesus at this particular point in the New Testament, and and the, what their reactions were. Now, and honestly, I I thought it was fun. Uh, as I've enjoyed writing many books, but I think I had the most fun writing that one. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it sounds like a really interesting premise. I mean, also, you got a great setting too. I mean, we're talking Jerusalem at this time is pretty much a powder keg, right? I mean, like they're basically. Are you working in any of the kind of like, you know, the political faction angles or anything that's going on in the city at the time? A little bit. Um, I had, uh, I tried to, in the book, I tried to show the disdain that the Romans had for the Jewish population that they were uh, occupying. Mm -hmm. um, because at the time, the Romans didn't think much of the Jews at all. Uh, getting stationed in Jerusalem was almost an insult. Is is whether they, they sent the slackers for the most part. I mean, there would have been some good soldiers there, but... They had no respect for the city, uh, for mm -hmm. the, the people of Jerusalem as as people or as warriors. They just basically weren't afraid of them. Yeah. So uh, well, I, mean, I, I, tried, I tried to illustrate that in the book, and I actually got accused of anti-Semitism for it by, more than once because uh, the people thought that the Roman opinion was my opinion, which I thought was interesting. But well, yeah, I mean, as one thing I've learned as a writer is that uh, some people get offended by just about everything. That's yeah, pretty much true. You can't protect against all of that. You know, you're going to be accused of one thing or the other no matter what just because, you know, there's so many people with so many opinions and you can't write one thing for everybody. So, you know, you just either, you know, tell those people, all right, thanks for, you know, for letting me know your opinion, blah, 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 blah. Or you just, you know, fuck off, fuck off. I don't care about your opinion. There's, you know, 7 billion other people in this world that can read my book and will probably like it. You know, you have poor taste. Hey, well, That's I mean, like, Todd them. used to just talk so much, like, <laughs> crap behind my back because of, like, he said I was doing anti-Japanese stuff in my Nighthawks book, and my wife is Japanese, so where are you going to go, Todd? Got nowhere to say anything more. She liked it. Well, liked it. You, you tell them, you tell them, 
if, if it, I didn't say that about Nighthawks. Oh, I you said that all the time. I got the notes here. I got I, the audio recordings. Okay, shut up. Okay, you know, you're just another the guy. Goddamn thing. What do you want? <laughs> hey. Jesus. I, well, I didn't I like how. Win, but, David, I can't win with this guy, David. I, I'm telling you, I can't win with this guy. <laughs> I do. And, and well, there was. Oh, there was sorry. only a couple of people that said that. Um, uh, there's a, a New York Times bestselling author, uh, Lee Goldberg, who is uh, Jewish, and he loved the book. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it really was only a couple of people. And, and one of those people, I sent an email explaining, you know, this is how they, they viewed the Jews. I, I'm sorry, that's not my opinion of Jewish people. And she wrote me back thanking me for explaining it. But it, there really hasn't been that many incidents well, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, I never understood, for example, like, if you're going to be talking in a certain book about, like, let's say, like, the Ku Klux Klan, for example, right? Obviously, they don't have a good opinion about anyone who's not a white redneck, right? So, pretty right. much, they're going to be talking extreme, they're going to be nasty and everything like that. And I don't understand how people can be upset by certain portrayals. I mean, the Roman soldiers are the bad guys, right? I mean, they're basically the thugs that are running the place, so of course they're not going to have, like, they're not going to say good things about the Jews. They're not going to be just, you know, tossing out homilies to the Jewish faith, you know? Exactly. Yeah, I just exactly. never understood that how you could be offended by that because these are the bad guys to begin with. It's not like you made a hero out of the Roman soldier who's got to, you know, you know, put up with Jewish people the entire time, you know? Yeah, you're not supposed to like those people. That's why you make them look bad. Yeah, exactly. So what's your take on the vampire? How is this exactly different from uh, what we've seen before, again, with that you know, awful train wreck of Twilight or the cool stuff of Anne Rice? Well, I don't think I romanticized vampires at all. Um, I tend to, uh, I tend to like the older school vampires where they're basically just evil. You know, they, mm -hmm. they would kill you just as soon as look at you. I mean, they're not interested in sleeping with your teenage daughter. They want her blood. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I don't necessarily think it's new and different more than it's just a, a return to the old school ferocious vampires that uh, instead of the uh, the angsty mopey ones that were brought around by uh, Twilight, which, you know, people like Twilight and I don't hold that against them. It just really isn't my cup of tea. Oh, I would hold it against them. Actually, I do. And Todd, <laughs> Todd's got a yeah, real axe to I definitely grind. do just because, you know, I mean, hey, everybody's David, you free to anything they want, but God, you're ruining a whole generation of people with this bullshit literature you know a whole generation is ruined growing up thinking that this is good literature when it simply is not and i don't david, care how many copies it sold it just isn't and david you i don't necessarily think that that's a lasting opinion though uh, my daughter read the twilight books at 14 and loved them and uh, now she she can't stand them she doesn't like the movies doesn't like the books she kind of grew out of them I, I think that those books were targeted to a specific range age range and demographic, and I think a lot of people tend to grow out of it. Not everybody, but some. Yeah, no, well, it's you. a testament to your daughter and to your parenting skills that she did grow out of it. So kudos <laughs> to you. That's a good thing. Hey, My so, daughter's a smart young lady. She really is. So we're talking about the kind of vampires in your book series because, I mean, this is not just, you know, I mean, we're talking a lot about your first one, which was a major success, uh, 33 AD, but you have how many more in the series in the Bakir series? You, I see about three off the top of my head. You have uh, 61 AD and you have 79 AD. And uh, yes. I just kind of uh, just go with for a second. So your vampires are the old school, scary, not romantic kind. This is Nosferatu, I'm guessing, right? Um, right. I always, right. I, get, I always got a kick up like learning about vampire uh, mythology, uh, things like that for a long time. Um, 
what uh, did, did you base your vampires on like a certain type like you know for example like the serbian ones or like ones that like you know they have to hop in one leg at certain times of night and like you know other ones it's like you know they can be in sunlight i mean what's their powers and attributes put it that way well uh, they have they each have different powers and attributes um they're not all the same. Some of them, some of them are stronger in one area than the other. Uh, I don't know if you've ever played the game Vampire: The Masquerade. I've heard but, of it a uh, lot. No, I have not. Okay, there's a there's a, a part in there or a, a a device in there where the further the vampires uh, are created from the original vampire, the weaker they are. Okay. And I tend to I, I use that in the book, um, and. So therefore, the oldest vampires, the ones created earliest, four thousand years ago, those guys are the real badasses, and the ones that are further down the line are, you know, they're still tough and, and stronger and meaner than humans, but they're not nearly as powerful as the older vampires. So they would all have their different skill sets and different personalities and, and those sort of things. But mainly, what I did was um, I made, uh, I used a a bit of uh, Chinese or Japanese mythology mm -hmm. on the Kui Jin, I think they're called, where it's not so much the blood that the vampires are after, it's a person's life force, because vampires are undead, so they don't have a soul. Right. So in order to keep existing, they need to import a soul from somewhere else. And that somewhere else just, you know, that's their human victims. And because they don't have a soul, they can feel not guilty about being particularly vicious about how they go about getting them. Now, do, do your characters, do they have any kind of moral compass here, or is there kind of like an arc to go through, or, I mean, or are they pretty much just like the badasses, and then that's kind of it? Well, they have their own society. I don't know if that would count as a moral compass. Uh, okay. They basically take orders, um, and they plot, and they have their own machinations or machinations uh, against each other, uh, but uh, they basically... Um, it's a society not unlike human society where different people fill different roles. Um, so they are capable of functioning together as a cohesive unit. Uh, it's not just a case of, well, they're all out here doing this or doing that and they're all following their own thing. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as a, a moral compass goes, I would have to say no because they don't have very much – very many compunctions about hurting other beings as long as they get what they want. Mm -hmm. um, that's actually part of why they found uh, Jesus scary, because one of their own left them to follow this rabbi from Galilee and abandoned their ways, and that scared them. They said, we, will, we can't have any more of this going on. Let's take them both out. That's a very interesting premise, actually. That is very good. Usually, yeah. Uh... I, I don't think, again, this is kind of a, a good, strange mix. And I say strange in, like, the best way possible because, again, you do have, like, a religious angle, it seems, or, like, a spirituality thing going on, plus history, plus, again, you know, the uh, good old vampire stuff going on. So, again, very, very interesting. Um, when, uh, when you were actually going through and actually writing down this stuff, how, I mean, when you're dealing with kind of... It's a sense of subject. I mean, you're talking about, you know, Jesus Christ. I mean, again, you know, Christian religion is in the billions, et cetera, et cetera. Um, right. How do, you, how do you approach that? I mean, did you kind of keep him off stage? Or, I mean, are you kind of like, you know, because it, it, like I almost myself, like, and I think I, you know, I can get out and just, you know, talk about any subject. But that one, I'd have to be a really fine line. And I don't know if that kind of threw you off a bit or kind of made you just a little hesitant on certain things. Well, what I did was uh, pretty much exactly what you said a while ago. For the most part of the book, I kept Jesus off stage. Um, I, I am not a particularly religious individual. Uh, mm -hmm. I was baptized Roman Catholic 
uh, by my mother who was uh, Spanish. But uh, uh, my experiences with religion and Christianity are, were kind of limited. So I actually bought a Bible to do the research for the book because yeah. I wanted to make sure that I didn't screw things up too much and have hordes of people burning crosses in my yard. Um, right. And in the end, I, I kept him off stage as much as possible except for a couple of scenes. And I used the New Testament as a reference to write those scenes to make sure that uh, that it would uh, coincide with the canon that was already established. And in the end, I didn't have any Christians that got mad at me. Um, like I said, the only people that accused me of anything were a couple of people who thought I was anti-Semitic. Mm -hmm. um, and one or two people who thought that I was writing Christian fiction, which I didn't see the book as Christian fiction because I'm not much of a Christian. So, Well, I can't see uh, how that could be Christian fiction if you're throwing vampires around in it. That doesn't really sound like yeah, – it doesn't sound like you know, <laughs> yeah. that, this is going to be the future and God's not dead. You know, I don't think that's really going to be Pardon coming me. across. I'm, I'm just getting over a cold, so if I cough, I'm sorry. Oh, don't, don't, don't worry about uh, it. I, I can barely talk, and Todd is half hung over most of the time. So, I mean, the, it's a miracle we're having any kind of podcast recording. I, I, I want to do a quick segue, if I may. Oh, uh, go when, for when it. You said, when you said about uh, uh, the burning crosses, it brought to mind uh, your, your other, one of your other novels that has nothing to do with vampires, Old Sins. Right? Old Sins? Uh, that one, that, that that one, one scared I, me because uh, you—, you with, which relates to an earlier earlier part of the discussion. We were talking about how um, I portrayed things and how I worried how certain things would be perceived. You know, Old Sins, you brought it up, deals with uh, racism in the South. And I was terrified that the language I was using in that book was going to mark me for all kinds of horrible things, tweets and Facebook. But that didn't happen. But I ended up using the, the really bad words because I wanted it to be as authentic as possible. And I even had a friend of mine tell me, don't you dare take these words out. Okay. Yeah. It. Yeah. It, it was, it was, uh, aside from being there and living in that time, it was as genuine, I think, as you could probably get. Um, um, you had sent a copy to me. Uh, it's been a couple of years ago now. And my mom read it. And of course she grew up uh, in, in that, uh, the time in the South uh, where all that was happening. And she said, wow, it's like, you know, you took a page right from, the history that I saw around me or whatever, you know, so. Oh, did yeah. she like the book? She did. She did. Uh, I, I thought there was, you know, um, the shock value didn't really get her as much as I thought it might have, but uh, <laughs> yeah, she, she did enjoy it. She did enjoy it. I need to go back and re-edit that book. I've had a couple of mistakes pointed out to me that uh, I missed. I just haven't had the time to do it. Right, right, yeah. I, I feel you there. <laughs> it was this never one? enough time in the day. Was this, no, since, was this actually a, a self-published one? Is that why you're kind of saying, like, you got to go back with it? Or did you go with, like, a small publisher or anything like that? Or, like, you know, a cheapskate? Most of my books are self-published books. Okay. Um, I've had, oh, I think I've got 12 books out right now. I would actually have to count them. And mm -hmm. of the 12, eight of them are books that I released myself. Okay, and the Bakir series, was that actually done with a publisher, or was that actually first like self-published by yourself? Uh, the Bakir book was my first self-published book, um, and I released that myself in 2010. Uh, it has sold somewhere around 50,000 copies, which is pretty good for a self-published book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's very respectable. Very good. Well, but it, I, the, the, the problem is, uh, you touched on it a little while ago when you were talking about how it mixes uh, a bunch of different... 
elements into into one story. You know, there's there's some vampire stuff. There's a religious as, religious aspect, and uh, I sent that book to dozens of publishers, and I could not get anybody interested in it. And one of the responses that I got was they didn't really know how to market it because it was all over the map in terms of genre. So the, lots of them loved it. They just couldn't figure out how to sell it. I see. So right. it, that's actually kind of interesting because I was going to ask you about that because, I mean, like, again, you had self-published, you're, you know, a fairly good success on it, but it's just the marketing machinery just cannot handle something that's, you know, it's splitting genres left and right. They need to have something that's clearly in one thing, like, again, uh, going back to Twilight. Twilight is just basically for young adults and, you know, basically, you know, teen girls and, you know, moms and things like that, and there's a clear-cut demographic you can go to. I mean, I guess Bakir doesn't, but, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it sounds like it's a funny thing. Again, it seems like, again, if it had more marketing and more of a push behind it, I think people would be interested and intrigued by the premise. I mean, obviously, it's something that you don't normally see, and that seems like that would stand out more than this whole, you know, deluge of, uh, uh, well, crap pretty much out there. That well, we if... See. if if I recall correctly, uh, there was there was uh, interest in a movie or television series for for that, wasn't there? There was. Um, I actually had uh, David Winkler, who is uh, the vice president, I think, of Winkler Films in Hollywood. Uh, in Hollywood, they uh, contacted me one day in 2013 and asked me if the film rights were available for the movie. And of course, oh. I said, I mean, for the book for 33 AD, and I said, yes. Absolutely. Sure. You want him? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, he wanted to have a meeting with me. And, you know, I live in Tennessee and he lives in California. So that wasn't going to happen. So we ended up having a phone call. And after that phone call, he said that he would send me an offer in a few days uh, to option the film rights. And he did. And I contacted an agent in Hollywood that I got through my friend that I mentioned earlier, Lee Goldberg. Yeah. And so there was a screenplay written, um, an option was done on it. Um, but the studios didn't buy the screenplay. So it did, it never went anywhere. Okay. But in the end I got paid extra money for work that I had already done. So that didn't hurt my feelings at all. No, that's Absolutely very understandable. Right. It, cash does kind of clean up a lot of sins and it takes away a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. That, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just kind of briefly going over the um, uh, the self-publishing process. I mean, we I've, we've had self-publishers on here before. I self-published myself uh, originally with my first book. Uh, is there anything you want to share about the process for people trying to do it for the first time? Is there anything you kind of picked up? Because, again, you've done, like you said, 8 out of 12 now. And you seem to be able to market it fairly well. I mean, if it's picking up, you know, 50,000 copies and stuff like that, I mean, that's actually pretty good. Is there any kind of tips for the... Uh, for the assuming author of the future out there listening? Don't assume that you are a good enough editor. Send it out. <laughs> Pay somebody to edit the book. Because every single time that I have released a book, I have found mistakes afterward. And uh, people have emailed me. It's come up in reviews. And um, what I see a lot of the times when I read a self-published book, and I have nothing against self-publishing. I've done it. But mm -hmm. what I see a lot of the times is I see a whole lot of horrible writing or or typing errors or or typos and, and things that should have and would have been picked up with the services of an editor. People just don't feel like they need one and, and that's not true. If you're thinking about self publishing, run it through an editor. I promise you it's a good investment. And, 
how about the marketing side of things? I mean, how did you get your name out there too? Because I mean, it's, I mean, I don't know, lightning struck for you back in 2010 and all of a sudden it's just like, you know, it got just like a tsunami or did you have some kind of campaign advertising, etc.? I actually didn't do much in the way of that. Um, I joined a couple of, uh, Kindle boards, uh, Kindle membership online things, forums, and stuff like that, where I talked about the book. These were in the very, very early days of the Kindle, 2010. And so uh, just to be part of that, part of the Kindle, before a lot of other people were, gave you a great deal of exposure. Um, I think I had a couple of months where uh, I was making upwards of $2,500 a month back then from the sales of that book alone, which Mm -hmm. is, for a self-published title, that's incredible. Um, There are people that do a lot better than I am. Uh, I would... Uh, need to pick their brain for marketing tips, but one of the biggest things that people do is they have mailing lists and they do Facebook ads and there's uh, stuff like uh, BookBub out there which will uh, run promos for your book. Um, there are millions of, of ways to promote a book. I, I really couldn't go into all of them here, mm-hmm. mainly because I don't know all of them, but there's a lot out there. You just have to research them and, and see what you think would work best for you and and there are books that uh, other successful self-published writers have written that detail what they did, and I would recommend picking some of those up. Susan K. Quinn is uh, one of those authors that has released a couple of very good books on how to promote your own work. Okay, very cool. Uh, one of the things, too, I mean, this uh, did you see the screenplay process, by the way? I mean, were you part of that? Did you put together your own screenplay, or was that something that was totally outsourced to somebody else? That was completely outsourced. I didn't have any say in it at all. Um, once the contract was signed, and this is not um, not unusual for writers who aren't super famous. You know, Stephen King can pretty much dictate his own terms, but the little guy usually can't. Is once that is done, the writer usually doesn't have anything to do with the screenplay unless the producers ask him to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the time, they they'll hire outside work, and they might hire the writer to consult with it, but that's not a given. Yeah, right, right, right. I mean, I kind of went through the same process too. I was working with another author, and we actually had a chance to kind of put together a screenplay, but then we pretty much were told that then the potential somebody needed to have someone else do a writing and that was kind of it for it. But yeah, we only got so far with that ourselves on a project. So I kind of see what you mean. Um, and I just kind of just kind of gently just wrapping up here too. I'm sorry. We just have just a short amount of time, but the, um, uh, just wanted to just ask, I mean, do you have any other future projects, anything you're working on right now, anything you're kind of just going with that you're going to try to put out by yourself in the near future? Um, yeah, I'm actually working on a ghostwriting project uh, right now, so okay, it, won't, cool. it might have my name on it. Last time I did one, they put my name on it. Okay. Um, and the fourth book in the Bakir series, uh, I'm working on that one. It's going to be part of the second trilogy, um, and I started that one a little while ago, and it, I would really like to have that released this year. Todd, of course, I'll be in touch with you about editing. Ah, um, uh, this little plug for Todd. Todd is a good editor when he's, you know, when he's sober and he's on uh, standing. <laughs> when he's sober. Yeah. <laughs> Forbes is one to be talking. Rattle, rattle, rattle. Yeah. Rattle, rattle, rattle. Yeah. Well, they, they do have cheap alcohol in the Philippines. I've been there. Oh, God. It's a good thing that I did stop drinking before I came here, or my liver probably would have given out by now, because, yeah, the, the, the liquor here is just so cheap. Oh, yeah, yeah, boy. 
All right. Well, hey, David, I really want to appreciate it. I know it was kind of like a little last minute thing here, but again, I appreciate your time, sir. And again, thank you so much for being on board. Uh, again, well, I was glad to do it. Glad and, to do it. It was fun. And, First time I've ever heard Todd's voice. But he uh, you'll never forget it. <laughs> I, you know, when I had my my mental picture was Todd as a Muppet the entire time, like a Kermit the Frog type. But actually, he's got a very genteel voice. I can listen to Todd do audiobooks. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Todd in your audiobooks. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, well, I've 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 done the the couple of Michael Bunker short stories recently, and they've actually been very well received. I, yeah. I put on a bit of a a, a Southern Texas <laughs> accent for it. And people seem to have enjoyed it. And I, I was worried about uh, people were going to pan me and roast me for it, you know, because I'm not a professional narrator. You know, I, I'm learning as I go, learning about my voice. But I had fun with it, and it sold a fuckload of copies. So, hey, all right. <laughs> good for us. Uh, money guess, is good. Money is really good. Uh, by the Absolutely. way, actually, uh, David, just to let you know, it's actually been a big goof. Uh, what's been happening is that people are buying it because he sounds like Boss Hog, and people think it's just hilarious. It's actually killing, killing Michael's career slowly. But Well, you know, the nostalgia aspect is good, you know, but that's going to wear off. And, you know, as far as, as long as I'm getting the paycheck right now, I, who gives a fuck about Bunker's career? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. See, David, that's the kind of nasty he's going to work with. He'll write, some, he'll write something else and land on the USA Today list again sometime in the future. It's all good. It's all He'll good. Recover. He'll recover. <laughs> exactly. All right. hey, David, really quick, what's a place to plug you at? Where can we find you at on the web besides Amazon, obviously? Well, I published uh, through Smashwords, so pretty much any place that you can find uh, Kindle, uh, Kindle or, or digital books, I'm sorry, I should say, uh, you should be able to find my work. Um, I know that uh, Nook has it, and it's on Apple iBooks. So uh, anywhere, really, anywhere that uh, eBooks are sold, you should be able to find me. All right. You got, okay, uh, you gotta go. All, all right, right. <laughs> that, no. you heard that, did you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right, thanks, David. Thanks thank so you so much. We'll talk soon. Okay. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. It was a pleasure. Thank you again. All right. Have fun. Bye. 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 <laughs> that was a good way to end that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. All right. All cool. right. Yeah. Okay, Forbes. So uh, yeah. yeah, he's got vampire books, uh, and they're they're really good. I I didn't edit the first two. I edited the third one, mm -hmm. and. Actually, uh, one of the fucking most embarrassing things that has ever happened to me in my editing career, I missed something that was just really vitally important. I won't say what, but I uh -huh. missed it in my three or four different read-throughs. Uh, he missed it in all of his read-throughs. His beta readers missed it. And it all it took was one reader to point out, hey, this is blah, blah, blah. And then he, say, he sent me a message. He said, oh, my God. I can't believe this happened. And then I, then he told me, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. I'm fucking ruined. My career is over. But, of course, it wasn't. You know, And he actually uh, he actually wrote in the, the, the acknowledgments in the book, you know, uh, mm. this is the – because he hadn't used an editor before. It was the first time he'd used an editor. He'd always self-edited. So he says uh, in the acknowledgments – are you still there? Oh, yeah, no, I'm still listening. Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah. He said in the acknowledgments of the book, you know, uh, this is the first time I've used a professional editor, uh, blah, 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 this and that. If you really love the book, you have me You have me and Todd to thank. If you really hate the book, you have Todd to thank. So <laughs> I thought that was kind of I thought that was kind of cool. But, yeah, it was just uh, the littlest, tiniest little detail that just 
I was so embarrassed. I really, I was, can, I was can I ask Because I'm curious. Because I mean, if like if everyone kept going through it, I mean, it must have been really tiny. But what was it? It was, it was like four words, but it changed the whole. It changed everything. It was the location of okay. Mount Vesuvius. Okay. Okay. You know, and I mean that changes every fucking thing. Oh, it was like it's like a, it's like of, a it, continuity error instead, or a geographical error. A geographical instead of Italy, it was Greece. It literally, <laughs> was just, just those four words, you know. But Son it was, of a bitch. It was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and it was only mentioned that one time. It was only mentioned that one time. So it, literally, those four words in that one sentence, and that was it, you know. But. That's we all fucking missed it. And that one reader, that one reader, picked it out and said, "What the fuck?" Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Terrible, yeah. terrible, yeah. terrible. I, I would, I would jump off a bridge after that one. I don't know how you're still living. Tight. I almost did. I almost, I almost hung myself. I, I had the the noose tied and throwed up around the rafter and everything. And then you know, one of my budgies came and landed on my shoulder and looked at me, and a tear rolled down his face. And and then I was like, <laughs> okay, I can't do it. I'll survive, you know, and go on. And of course I did. And now I'm working with Michael fucking Bunker. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to be seeing dun, the big, dun, I'm going to see dun. the big bunker uh, pretty soon. So yeah, I'm going to be going to Austin. So I can go check out Bunkerland, see for myself. Yeah. Well, hopefully, that's you know, be fun. like that place I, I, is an armed camp after like, I, I, I'm sure there's going to be some shenanigans on inauguration day and the day after. So should be interesting. Oh, shit. Shit, that's right. You're gonna be there on the day after inauguration in fucking Texas, no less. Well, it's Austin, oh so that's the People's God. Republic of Austin. So I mean, it's just like that's People's Republic. Yeah, that's what they call it, man. That's a commieville to them, you know, because I don't know. They have a minimum wage and safety standards at the restaurants. I wish I'd have thought. I wish I'd have thought to send you an interceptor vest, man. You, you <laughs> might need it. Holy shit! You kind of look like the orange one. Uh, exactly. I don't know. Something. To be strung up like that, you never freaking know. So you better anywho. go in disguise. And now it's time for some live at the Benbo Inn after show hijinks and shenanigans, brought to you by Third Scribe and Auspicious Apparatus Press. It's just me fucking with you, man. It's just me fucking with you. I gotta fuck no. with you. I can't help it. No, that's why I smoke pies because the anxiety you give me. You know, <laughs> you it's me trying to rattle you while you're in the middle of talking or listening to something. So you, you know, I'm trying <laughs> to make you try to make you fuck up, man. That's all. Uh, I, I was talking to my friends. Uh, you don't have any friends. friends. Stop lying. Yeah, I got real friends, you asshole. Like, I was talking to my friends, is like, you know, because they're all into like UFC and stuff like that. It's like, you ever heard of Mark Tully's? And like, they're like, no. And then like two seconds later, it's like, yeah, dude, that guy like had two wins and five losses. I'm like, ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, like, why am I goofing on him? He's, I, I get my ass kicked like three times a day. He's one of the nicest, one of the nicest people you could ever hope to meet, though. Seriously, I, I mean that in all honesty. He is really just one of the nicest people you could ever hope to meet. Uh, I mean, yeah, he, I wouldn't want to cross him because he'd fuck you up, but he really is a genuinely yeah. nice person, you know? Well, like, that's what I was saying. It's just all like, yeah, I'll goof on for his two wins. It's like, Jesus Christ, I would have like about 11 losses and die in an ambulance. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would make it like, you know, if, if I was lucky, 45 seconds into one fight and then it'd be over. You know, a couple, a couple two, three hits, I'm done, <laughs> you know? Yeah, we, I could get kicked to the, to the sh- sh- shin or something and I'd be done. 
they, they call us in the business tomato cans. You know, they just slap us around. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about right. Nothing, uh, nothing wrong about that. That's the honest truth. I'm not a fighter, man. I'm a I'm a pacifist. I, I no, I'm a I, verbal I, I'm a verbal fighter. I'll fight you with words, but I'm not gonna fight you with my fists I if I can help it. it. It was amazing. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way too. Like I have last time I got to a well, actually, I got in a fight in Santa. It's not true, actually. The last time I got in a fight was in Santa Monica back in two, two yeah. years ago. Yeah, you told me that story. Yeah, I punched a guy in the parking lot. That- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've yeah. there's punching out old sunk in the parking lot. Yeah. There's been times where I could have that 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 could have it could have gone down that way, especially when I was in the military. Because uh, some oh, people, you know, they like see that. the uniform like, yeah. and they're like, they want to test you, you know, and this and that. You know, I just, I uh, just walk away from it, you know. Uh, uh, you know, and you have to grab the guy that's with you, and make him fucking walk away too, so you both don't end up in the brig, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it, I, I get that. Plus, it's also, you know, it's a high testosterone kind of macho shit too. You can't walk away. You got to fucking break heads to prove a point. Whatever that would be. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I maybe my dope smoking curb that shit because I don't, I don't feel that shit anymore. I'm too old for yeah, it. Just, I'm too old for it, man. Well, I, I got no time for it. I just don't want to sit like the kind of people who want to fight strangers. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah, you don't know anything okay. about this person. This person could be the goddamn yeah. jujitsu fucking Jedi master. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, pull like a fucking blade on you, or like you know, or he's gonna shoot you because like you kicked his ass in a fight, and then all of a sudden like you're dead, and he's on trial in Florida. You know, <laughs> it'd be just just like yeah, I, I don't yeah, I just I, I had an incident. Um, th- this is actually a while ago. It's like about a year ago. Like, you know, some guy like cut me off in traffic, so I flipped him off, and then he started doing like the brake check kind of things, and then he pulled over to the side of the road. And I get to see him like, stepping out of the car, and he's doing like this come hither motion. I'm like, dude, why would I just pull over to go fight you? So I just drove off, and this is like, fuck you. But the guy like fight me on the side of the road. It's just like, well, you know what? Yeah, call me a chicken shit for pulling away. I'm gonna really feel be- bad about that, considering I don't know you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No shit. I think uh, yeah. a lot of stupid shit has happened because uh, the person didn't pull away from something like that, you know, or didn't walk away from something like, like that. Mentality kind of shit, you know. It's all like I have territory. Pound yeah. chest, you go. That's why, I, that's why I smoked weed and dropped acid, ate mushrooms, because I didn't want to be that way, you know. I, I want to, didn't want to have those kind of fucking impulses, man. I just want to be at peace with the fucking earth and everything around me. Not that I'm a fucking hippie or anything like that, you know. But I got no time for that. I got you. Got no time for that bullshit. By the way, I've never done acid. I was thinking about doing that, but then, like, you know, the whole issue is is that, uh, uh, you know, I always go dark places really fucking fast, and I just imagine myself freaking out. Like, I had a friend who did that. Uh, uh, my friend, uh, what he did was he dropped it, and then at, later at the party, people saw him in the bathroom saying that the floor was trying to eat his legs. I Forbes, I, I have <laughs> extensive, extensive experience with uh, hallucinogenics. I, my 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 yeah my from about seventeen up until just before I joined the army, so about five really? years yeah well let's see, five six about maybe six or seven I guess maybe six seven years like that I did a lot of psychedelics, not even gonna bullshit you I used to be able to I've been able to do it for a while now I could crack my back, 
my spine, yeah. crack my spine, and, and experience you know mild flashbacks. Uh, it doesn't oh, doesn't happen. It doesn't happen anymore. You know, I, I wish it still did, but it doesn't. That's like Big Lebowski but, kind of shit. That's awesome. Yeah, Occasional you know, I mean, I, my advice would be not to do if you've never done it before. Don't do acid if you're able to and you want to have a hallucinogenic experience. Uh, find do mushrooms, much. mushrooms. Yeah, and then just do That's very, like, you know, uh, a very small amount, like a very small cap, because you can always yeah. take more if you're not getting off. You know what I mean? But if you take too much. You're stuck on that fucking ride for, you know, 14 hours or 16 hours, you know. Um, but, yeah, there, yeah was, was there was a time. There was a w one time, uh, I think I was about 19, where there was this thing. There were these things called um, uh, purple microdots. It was synthetic mescaline, which is peyote. Uh, but they were yeah. just these little tiny, tiny little fucking dots, almost like... Um, Almost like the things you see on top of cupcakes some, or sometimes, you know, like really, really just a little tiny thing, right? So you don't think, ah, it's not going to fucking do anything. So I just, give me two of them. I took two of them, okay? And I fucking tripped for, <laughs> God damn it, must have been 36 fucking hours. I didn't sleep for like 36 <laughs> fucking hours. I'm not shitting you, man. I'm not shitting you. And I, was, I worked a job in a grocery store in a fucking deli, okay? <laughs> I went to work in the fucking deli. I, this is a God's honest to God true story, Forbes. I went to work in this deli, still full on balls to the wall, fucking tripping. Okay, the full yeah. visuals, every fucking thing. All right, the lady that I worked for, the manager, she was a a friend of my a, a mother, the mother of one of my friends. Um, I wasn't hanging out with that girl at the time, but I, her, her, the lady knew me. She knew me personally because I, I had gone to their house a lot or whatever when I was younger. She immediately knew that I was tripping because she was an old hippie, all right? So she, she took one look at my eyes and my face and immediately knew, and she just laughed and laughed and laughed. Didn't send me home. No, 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 no. She left me right there to deal with customers, to deal with a fucking slicer, to deal with all this crazy shit, right? So, Did you see the link I just sent you on Facebook? Uh, the wrestler Randy quits. Randy the Ram quits his day. I, I, I'll, I'll watch that. I'll watch that in a bit. What is that? that that's a, well. You just said deli slicer quitting <laughs> on high. Yeah, that does remind me of you. But anyway, oh, I, I'm telling you, that was simultaneously the best and the worst experience of my life. I think because <laughs> it's kind of awesome was, in a way. <laughs> it was so scary, but it was so exhilarating because I knew I was fucked up. I knew my boss knew I was fucked up and didn't care. And then I got to <laughs> fuck with people. I get to fuck with people for like, you know, seven hours. I think my shift was seven hours. All right. You see any yeah. shit? Because, like, I mean, like, uh, one friend, like, told me that uh, he did it one time with a girl, and the girl saw Jesus, and Jesus started talking to her. And then he did it, and all what happened is that his hands turned into, like, Mickey Mouse gloves. You're going to think I'm making this up. But that, that same – I was getting to this, actually, before you interrupted me. Uh, one of, one of the things that I saw, because I was fucking with customers, right? I was really like fucking with people. I I <laughs> I talked to one guy. He looked like he was uh, he looked like he was might have been homeless or down on his luck. He was wearing the you know the army jacket and tattered pants and this and that. You know, he asked for uh, two chicken wings and some coleslaw or something. It was one of the little meal deals that they had. You know, it's really cheap, like two bucks or something. He asked for the, the two chicken wings and that coleslaw. So I, I got it for him. You know, I didn't want to talk to him because he looked like I just didn't want to talk to him. 
All right. He just yeah. died. Something was, something was off about him. So I didn't want to talk to him. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I packed it up for him. And then when I looked up again at him, you know, he's smiling at me. Right. And his eyes had gone red and his hair was at the front of his head where devil horns would be. The hair was starting to poke up a bit. Right. And yeah. so I was like, I kind of, it really waked me out. It really waked me out. It freaked me to fuck out. So I was like, I just kind of, I threw the thing on the, ca- I threw his box on the counter and then I kind of split, right? I went in the back. I just, let, <laughs> I walked away. So then I come back out. I don't know how long, it was probably only like 10 seconds later, but I come back out and look and he's still standing there. The box is still there. And I'm like, your, your, your box, your wings are right there, you know, and I'm pointing at the box. Yeah. And he's like, you have to give it to me. And I was like, Jesus Christ. So I gave him the box, right? And then he goes away. He came back yeah. like five fucking times, Forbes. Five fucking times he came back and just stood there and looked at me. And finally, I told the manager, I told Ann, I said, you got to do something about this guy. He's really fucking with me. I think he knows I'm high. And then she, she went over there and she's like, who? Who are you talking about? And apparently there was nobody fucking there. Okay, I had put the box of chicken wings and coleslaw up there, and it had fallen in the floor over the front of the counter, but there was nobody there. Holy shit. I made her, I made her go and tell the manager that Uh-oh. we thought somebody stole something from the deli counter so that we could look at the, the security tapes. Forbes, there was nobody on the fucking security tape, man. This shows you just showing up and dropping coleslaw on the floor and leaving. <laughs> and that's pretty much what it was. I kind of didn't even what? set the box on the counter. I kind of threw it, and it just slid right off the front, you know, and landed in the floor. <laughs> and then the manager's looking over at me like, uh, uh why, what's that all about? And I, I didn't have an explanation. And she said, she, the, guy, the, the lady told him that uh, I was a bit sick, that maybe I was coming down with the flu. Or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I yeah, swear to Croc and Christ, Forbes, I'm not making this shit up. I am not making this shit up. So, Man, yeah, I, I did see some shit. That was probably, like I said, the best and the worst experience I had. I never really had any bad trips other than that little one isolated incident that I just talked to you about, which lasted all of probably 30 fucking seconds but seemed like three days. Um, I never <laughs> had any bad experiences. I was, I was, I've been with people who had... Uh, bad trips, you know, and there, you know, there are things you have to do. You just have to divert the attention away from, because um, f- generally a bad trip is when somebody turns inside instead of turning, you know, it, when they go introvert instead of becoming extrovert and uh, yeah, noticing yeah, yeah. the world around. That's generally when the bad trip starts to happen because you know you got bad shit going on inside of you. But um, you, you just you, you divert the attention away from what's going on inside you, you play some nice music or you know what I mean? Let's go for a walk. Let's go, you know, kick somebody's dog yeah. or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that would be a Michael Bolt move. Let's go attack someone's dog. But I, yeah, if I, if, if you were going to do it, I would uh, try some, try some mushrooms first and then make sure you're with somebody who has experience. So in somebody that's not going to fuck with you just to make you have a bad trip, you know, it would need to be somebody that uh, is going to yeah. look out for you just in case, you know, because, um, yeah, we, well, here, I'll, I'll were, in some mushrooms in the Philippines, and then we have ourselves a little fucking day break. I, I'll do that? it, man. I'll do it, man. I used to love going to the beach and, and just walking at the edge of the water while tripping on mushrooms or, or you know, even on acid or yeah. whatever. But see, the, 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 the high is different with mushrooms. It's less, um, it's less harsh. I don't know how to explain it, really. With acid, it's, it's really... <laughs> 
acid is a, a manufactured process, so that's why I would stay away from that shit. It's like it's, anything manufactured, or it's like there's too many human hands in it. It seems like that's where you're gonna have some bad news coming in. It's really know, it hard. Like it's really hard. It yeah. hits you really hard. It's not a subtle thing. With with acid, you know, you take it and and it's not it's, it doesn't creep up on you. Most of the time, 99% of the time, it doesn't creep up on you like mushrooms. You know, with acid, you take it, you're fine one minute. The next minute, you're fucking balls to the wall. It's like, oh, my God, what the fuck? And, and you know, if you realize that you've made a mistake, there's nothing you can do about it. Absolutely nothing you, you can right do about it. You can smoke all the fucking dope you want. It's not going to fucking bring you back, you know, and you just have to deal <laughs> with it. And uh that that's you sound like a fucking cool guy every time I talk to you, man. I got I really appreciate everything you're doing for me. I really do, man. I, I just you know, I, uh, me and my wife were talking about you uh, uh, last night, and uh, you know, don't be using you me really in your are... goddamn fucked up sexual fantasies. I don't even want to hear about that shit. All right, Why don't, don't, you don't even fucking say go that there. shit. Why the fuck would you even bring that up? I just said like again, we had a nice conversation over dinner. All it's of a sudden, it's you're a like, good sound hey, bite, Forbes. It's a good calling, sound bite. You're calling your wife on. What the fuck is wrong with you? Jesus, goddamn Christ! You got a sick fucking puppy imagination man it's it a good sound up. bite man come on i'm gonna post that on facebook you're thinking about you me and anyway go ahead what were you saying i'm sorry no no i was just saying like again like you're you sound like a fucking interesting cool guy and shit i mean i'm just you know again one of these times in japan maybe i have to take a little detour to the philippines dude it's you know? so cheap it's so cheap to fly here really it really is from from uh narita to here less than 100 bucks rats round trip less than 100 bucks would I land in Manila or would I land in Davo? By the time you're, by the time you go back to Japan and come here, you'll be able to fly direct into Davao. There, um, the airport is expanding right now to allow direct international flights, so you can bypass uh, Manila altogether. That's cool, man. Now I would like to go. I'd like to hang out with you, man. You're a fucking cool guy. And hey, by the way, Todd, just because I mean, you you look like one of these guys. Like I can't really tell, and I don't mean to get into your personal business. Um, how old are you? How old do you think I am? I want to say you're pretty close to my age. I want to say that you're 33. Ha. Ha ha, that's funny. Yep. Are, are you being serious right now? I'm going to punch you in your fucking face. I'm, I'm serious. Are you younger? No, you can't because of the Iraq war thing. I'm only no, 26, I'm bro. What, you're 26, so I'm <laughs> older? I'm fucking with you, Forbes. I'll be 40 in, in June. <laughs> no shit. Oh, fuck, man. No, I just thought you were like totally like fucking my age. No, that that's trippy, Holmes. All right. Yeah, I think I. What are you? Thirty-three. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a bit, yeah, 33, a bit I, older. A little bit older. I was. Uh, I was no longer shitting my pants when you were born. Yeah. <clears throat> I was. Just, I was staying in my papa's underpants. <laughs> you were around, killing people in Iraq. Uh, I, I, I. Most days though, I feel like I'm about sixty. Uh, <laughs> I really do. Hey, but you. By the way, you do have the lifestyle I do like. I mean, again, like, I don't have, obviously, a Philippines connection, but, like, I don't know, man. Like, I, more and more I'm thinking about this. It's like, I just, I don't know. I got to get, get the fuck out of this country. This is, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the well, you, I don't even have to go into it. You know exactly. I don't know. If I bring this up to that scumbag Michael Bunker, and by the way, I'm recording this so you can add this in the episode. If I was talking about that scumbag Michael Bunker, like, oh, God. The passive aggressiveness of becoming my wife would be a tsunami. I mean, seriously, it'd be the Fukushima of personal like meltdowns. I think you guys over there in California are probably getting some fucking uh, irradiated fish from. 
Fukushima right now. You know, now. that's always the rumor. And then, like, you know, but the only places I ever hear this stuff, and again, this is like, you can take this either way. The only place I hear this from is like redblazestates.com, liberal California swelters under radiation. <laughs> or or I don't hear from the mainstream media. And then it's just like, well, is it the mainstream media that's not talking about it? Because they're, they keep everyone in the dark. They do that stuff, which is true. <laughs> and then it's like, uh, uh, you I know, don't... I mean, what, what am I supposed to get here? I get it from like, you know, superpatriot.com says that I'm dying of cancer because Obama wants everyone in California to die to populate it with Islam. You know? <laughs> you know, or I get CNN was like, I'm gonna sound, I'm gonna sound like a fucking, I'm gonna sound like a cokehead in this episode, I think, because I'm, I'm, I can't help but. Oh yeah, how you feeling, buddy? Like uh, I know you, you sound like you're getting really kind of down the dumps there. I'm miserable, Forbes. I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm fucking miserable. Well, right thanks now. for doing I, this, man. I, I, you should be feel in bed like doing fucking this shit. shit. Hey, but look. I've out of the last seventy two hours, I think I've probably slept sixty fucking hours. I'm not even bullshitting you. I, I I've Sleep's slept the like best fucking medicine, man. I, I twenty agree. fucking hours a day, really. I I wake up long enough to feed the birds and change their water, and yeah. I put my ass right back in the fucking bed with some more pills. That's what you should do, man. You're live at the Binbo Inn with Forbes West, powered by Third Scribe and Auspicious Apparatus Press. Stopped in each and every town. 